Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. It's easy for our faith to be tainted by the sin and negativity we see in this world. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that Jesus overcame the world and so will we. This place isn't our home, which is why we often feel uncomfortable and unwelcome. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. Your citizenship is in heaven. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 14, 2021. As with birth pains increasing the closer we get, so too do the prophetic signs increase in their frequency the closer we get. You know how it is when you're traveling and the closer you get to your final destination, the more frequent the signs are? So too is this true with the signs of the times. So now we have a question. I want to tackle this, and I've asked the Lord to help me with this. What should we do? Question. What are we able to do in light of this, in spite of this even? Well, I don't know if you're going to like this answer, (laughs) but what's new, right? (laughs) But it's more about what we're not able to do, namely that of rising up just as Moses tried to do. Now please stay with me and please hear me out. There seems to be this movement within the Christian church today to rise up and fight. Well, you might want to ask Moses how that worked out for him. Now, please know that I'm in no way saying that we don't take a stand. Rather, what I am saying is, we don't need to rise up and fight this, because Jesus is coming to take us out of this. All we really need to be doing is getting Jesus to people and people to Jesus ASAP. You'll forgive my repeated use of the Titanic as an illustration, but there's that idiom, that saying, you know, the rearranging of the deck furniture on the Titanic. I think there's merit to that. I don't want to waste my time, precious little time, because there's no time left to waste anyway, 
because this, this baby's going down. I want to get people off of this thing into the lifeboat of salvation before it's too late. And Jesus is that salvation. Hey look, <laughs> we talked about this last week, this world is dying, this world is passing away. Let it go already. Let it go. Why are we trying to hang on to this dying world and the things of this world? The sooner we let go, the better. Well, let me invite you to join me now in John's Gospel, the 18th chapter. It gets worse. I just want to let you know that if you don't already. <laughs> so this is the account according to the Gospel of John, where Jesus is now standing trial before Pilate, about to be crucified. And we're told, verse 33, John 18, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him. He's not going to answer the question, at least not yet anyway. This is his answer though. Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, verse 36, and I want you to pay particular attention to the use of the word kingdom three times. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore, verse 37, said to him, uh, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> I asked you, are you a king? Are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And then he says this, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In other words, Pilate, I am a king, but my kingdom, because how, how are you going to be a king if you don't have a kingdom? And I think that's what Pilate's asking as a king himself, really. And the response that Jesus gives, I think, is what the Spirit is saying to the church today. The kingdom is not here. The kingdom that we fight for is the kingdom of heaven. That's the good fight. And this is why I point this out. We're all prone, and I'm just like anyone else, 
when it comes to this, I have to confess. I would be disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst if I didn't. I mean, hey, sometimes I, I want a good fight. Let's do this, you know. Fight, fight, fight. The problem is that it needs to be the right fight. The implication is, is that there's the wrong fight. What's the wrong fight? Well, if you're fighting for the wrong kingdom, that's the wrong fight. If you're fighting the right fight, that's for the right kingdom, the kingdom of God. I think we do err greatly when we give ourselves over to the wrong fight for the wrong kingdom. And in so doing, you know what I would liken it to? And you'll forgive this comparison, but it's like trying to keep this dying world on life support. Why am I fighting to keep this thing alive? It's dying. This world is passing away. Enter the aforementioned difficulty and affliction, which has this much needed effect of refining us, purifying us, readying us. On Thursday nights we're in a verse by verse study through this amazing book of Isaiah. Last week we were in chapter 48. And what's interesting about this chapter is it's a prophecy concerning God delivering His people out of captivity in Babylon. But here's the thing. God tells them in this prophecy through the prophet Isaiah that He's going to refine them in the furnace of affliction. What? Yeah. So listen, I'm going to deliver you out of captivity in Babylon. But first, you got to go through the furnace of affliction. And I'm going to turn up the heat really hot in that furnace. Why God? Because I'm about to deliver you. That's why. Well, wait a minute. Uh, you're going to turn up the heat in the furnace of affliction before you deliver us? Yeah. This is Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. It gets better. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, that precious, priceless, timeless psalm, Psalm 119. He says it two times, the first time in verse 67. Listen to this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Oh, someone's reading my mail right there. But now I keep your word. And then he goes on in verse 71 and says this, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It's a good thing. No, you want that furnace of affliction. You want 
the affliction that comes, because when the affliction comes, that means your deliverance is coming. I'm sure you've heard it said, God comforts the afflicted. Oh, I love to hear that, especially when I need comfort, when I'm afflicted. God comforts the afflicted. But have you ever heard this? He also afflicts the comfortable. I'll give you a moment. What do you mean? Well, sometimes we get just a little bit too comfortable in this world, not our home. And God wants to deliver us out of this world, not our home. But we're too settled, we're too comfortable. So God says, man, I'm going to have to, I'll speak for myself if you want. That's fine, because I know none of you, you're more spiritual than me. This doesn't happen to you, but God has to turn up the furnace in JD's life, that furnace of affliction. So like David, I can say it is good that I was afflicted, because had I not been afflicted, had I not been cast into that furnace of affliction, I wouldn't even be looking for deliverance. And I really think that's the point. To me, and we talked about this on Thursday night, I truly believe that what God is doing in the world today is He's allowing the affliction of His people prior to delivering His people, so that His people want to go. You know, it's interesting. When God delivers His people out of captivity in Babylon, there were some who didn't go. They stayed. They didn't want to go. Why didn't they want to go? I think they were too settled. Yeah, but they're in slavery. Well, ask the Israelites in Egypt. You know, even after they're delivered out of Egypt, they wanted to go back. That's my emails too that are being read. And the Egypt, the type of the world you want. In fact, there's that account. It's stunning. It's really breathtaking when they're murmuring and complaining, which was all the time, by the way. And they're, they're reminiscing about the good old days. And of course the mixed multitudes didn't help, but man, back in Egypt we had buffet, onions and leeks and oh. I think they have a, a term for that, it's called selective memory. You were a slave! And here God has you and He's providing for you, He's delivered you, He's providing for you every single day without fail, this manna, and you're getting bored. You want to go back to Egypt. I think this is one of those times in God's Word where, (laughs) again, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you're right there. I mean, you're coming down hard on the Israelites. How could they do that? come on, we would have done the same thing. Here's the truth. We're warned, and 
even promised that we're going to have extreme difficulty and hardship in this world. Jesus, John 16.33, a verse I'm sure familiar to most. Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I wish he did not use the word will. I wish he would have said something to the effect of, in this world you might, you know, happen to come across some difficulty. And Now you will. I looked up in the original hoping to, you know, find a softer word than will. And it was worse. It was like, it's guaranteed or your money back. You're going to have, <laughs> you're going to have trouble. But take heart. And here's why. I have overcome the world. Now we memorize that, we read that, we quote that, we love that, right? But can I suggest something here? When he says, I have overcome the world, do you think there might be an inference that, and maybe even a question from the Savior to the effect of, do you want to overcome the world too? I'm going to take you out of this world. In fact, there is a connection between the trouble you're having in this world and my coming to take you out of this world, because the harder it gets, the more you want Him to come. Isn't it true? Come on, let's be honest. We're in church. You have to be, right? When things are going well, it's like this, Lord, come soon. When adversity strikes, when things are difficult, it's not, oh, Lord, come soon. It's like, Lord, come now, come yesterday, come today. If not today, come tomorrow. If you don't come tomorrow, I don't know if I'm going to make it. That's the point. I've overcome this world, and I've told you these things so that you can have peace in the midst of the affliction, peace in the midst of the trouble, peace that is not predicated upon the circumstances in your life, peace that is not predicated upon what's happening in the world. I give you a peace not as man gives you. It's what Paul refers to as that peace that surpasses, transcends human understanding. Well, it's going to get worse, literally. <laughs> This hardship, this affliction, has the potential to get much worse. And if that isn't bad enough, it really has the potential to come in ways that we don't expect. And I'll explain what I mean by that. What I'm speaking of is division. Division specifically amongst God's people, both in families and church families. I think you would agree with me when I say this, that the world today is divided like it's never been before, and getting worse, and this on a global scale. Would you go with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12? 
again, very uncomfortable. I want to begin reading in verse 51. Listen to what Jesus said. I would venture to say that this is probably not on anyone's wall or framed or wallpaper or refrigerator. <laughs> Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. What? For from now on, verse 52, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Then, verse 54, he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Did you catch that? I mean, that's, uh, whoo. So wait, let me see if I got this straight. What Jesus is saying here is that there's discernment required concerning the signs of the times, and one of the signs of the times is going to be just what He said. You got a family of five? I have a family of five. By the way, do you know this? A family of five has 25 relationships. No wonder, that explains a lot too, right? You have five, a family of five has 25 relationships in that family. So you got a family of five, three against two. Families will be divided against each other, father against son, son against father. How is it, Jesus would ask, how is it that you're able to discern the weather when you see over the horizon, but you can't see this. This is, this is a sign of what's coming. Better said, who's coming? Jesus is coming. So let me begin by saying that what is now happening in the world today is an indication of just how late the hour is on God's prophetic clock. What we're witnessing today as it relates to jabbed or not jabbed, is a textbook case of divide and conquer. For those who are interested, we devoted the update back on February 14th, but in it we went in depth into why it is and how it is that prophetically division and confusion would be one of the prophetic signs of the time of the end, as we just read in Luke's Gospel. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.